The Sports Gambling Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast is brought to you by MyBookie. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. Props, parlays, in-game wagering, MyBookie.ag has it all. And if you sign up using the promo code SGP50, you'll receive a 50% deposit bonus today. Play, win, and get paid at MyBookie.ag. Sports Gambling Podcast Network is also brought to you by Amazon. You probably already shop at Amazon, but not. why not shop at Amazon and support the Sports Gambling Podcast Network? All you have to do is log on to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Amazon. Bookmark that link and use it every time you shop at Amazon to support the podcast. And as always, you can get yourself a nice Inside Vegas tea over at Amazon.com. Welcome into another episode of the Inside Vegas podcast. NFL Draft Week is here. One of my favorite times. We get to talk conspiracy theories. We're going to talk smoke screens, everything and everything from the information-based world of handicapping, which is probably, as you guys know me talk about WWE, all that type of stuff, is one of my favorite because the information is out there. Almost predetermined, obviously, some stuff can move around, especially when we're talking about draft classes, all that type of stuff. But for the most part, the information is out there, especially, you know, leading up to it. And you just need to go out there and find it. So it's one of my favorite topics of conversation every single year that we get to this time of year. We're bringing on the frequent flyer, friend of the program. Whale Capper is going to be joining me. He is... This is probably, if it excites me, he is 10 times my level, and I couldn't be happier to have him on and talk about this, and we're going to talk everything from Kyler Murray, um, his kind of black swan scenarios, as he put it out there, talking about how what could happen with the Jets and the Raiders moving, all the kind of things that have been put out there, Jets, um, or not Jets, Raiders wanting a quarterback, the odds on Murray to Bosa, um, some interesting stuff uh, from him about um, Ed Oliver, about... Um, Josh Allen. So it's an absolutely fascinating conversation. Hope you guys enjoy it. Again, this is Whale Capper of one half of the deep dive with Andy and the White Whale. And now joining me on the Inside Vegas podcast, frequent flyer and friend of the program, my friend, the White Whale. How are you today, sir? I picture you with a nice cocktail in hand, maybe a little early. How is everything in sunny California for you? I just was there this weekend, actually. Oh, nice. Uh, It is beautiful uh, out. I'm sitting outside. Uh, But but there's no no drink in hand right now. It's all business. It's NFL draft week. The, uh, this is super fun market to handicap, even though there's not like a ton of props and the limits aren't like super high, it's still a ton of fun because it's an information based handicap. So you can, you know, if you're doing the most work, presumably you're going to be able to find the edges and, you know, and, and accumulate some, accumulate some winnings while watching one of the better, most fun sporting events of the year. If you're an NFL fan, which is the NFL draft. Aside from WWE, I think this is the best time to bet on a, let's call it a predetermined outcome in the world. This is probably my sure. favorite event of the football season, to be you know, honest with you. Again, growing up as a Patriots fan, it was kind of always a lackluster trade back, trade back type of situation. Oh, always. But always. when you start using this type of stuff to apply money, it's, I want to talk about that handicap that you just mentioned, because it's really fascinating. And as we've, you know, kind of grown together over the years and, and looked at how we are, you know, differently going to be able to look at this type of stuff. What goes into an information-based handicap when you're looking at everything that is not oh, analytical, man. everything that is not on the field for you? Yeah, it, you, it entirely just evaluating the quality of your information sources entirely. Uh, and you, ha- you basically, you have to be able to kind of look across what 
the most commonly visited Mac, mock drafts are for this for for this particular example. We're looking across. Okay, these are what all the other people who are curious about the draft. This is the information that they are being fed. They are going to convert that information into sports betting into this marketplace where you have, you know, a general. The market has a consensus right now. If you kind of look at how the props are shaped, where the you know how the odds are kind of, you know, implying certain players are going to go where certain things are going to happen over the course of the top 10 picks and in the first round, really. And, you know, it's important to kind of look across at everything that's out there, uh, know what the consensus is broadly, uh, and then be able to systematically evaluate, okay, the, this, these, you know, this handful of information here represents low information, speculative, um, you know, misleading, type of, uh, you know, type of nuggets here. And this kind of much smaller subset represents the true information that's actually going to inform, you know, how things actually play out. Uh, and, uh, and then from there, you can really just kind of go right to the board and start circling value. Um, and really like I've learned this the hard way through years, betting drafts, uh, you can't kind of decide what you think is going to happen go to the board, pepper the board that kind of, you know, makes this is one outcome and then kind of walk away and just kind of wipe your hand. Okay. You know, brush your hands off up, oh, done works done. Now we'll just let it see if it plays out because in reality, you want to be ahead of moves. You want to be accumulating value in that way. And you want to be able to kind of come back and take arbitrage where, you know, you beat a market move, but then in reality, that was not information. It was noise, but it moved the market, right? Like, you, you, and I'm sure you can, you can think of examples, you know, in regular sports betting where you hear, you know, you hear some piece of information, you know, it's going to move the market. You may not even believe it. How about an Oscars that, bet? That, that Oscars, great example. <laughs> great example. You hear some piece, you know, it's going to move the market. So you're like, well, shit, if this is, you know, 30 to one and it's going to be five to one in 20 minutes, I can take you 30 to one. I don't care if it's right or wrong, because, you know, you're going to have an opportunity after the dust settles to come back and arbitrage that and lock away a little bit of value. So, you know, and, but, you know, even even just beyond like information and prop markets, like they, these things come up in, you know, in game handicapping, too, when you hear, oh, this player is actually hurt and, you know, he's not going to be able to perform or he's going to be scratched last minute. You know, like if you can kind of beat, you know, beat the market move there, whether or not you think the market move is accurately, you know, accounting for that adjustment, you can still kind of, you know, pad, pad your bankroll that way by, by doing that enough times. Let me put on my inner Bobby Axelrod hat here because this is my favorite, <laughs> my favorite type of scenario to make. And again, the, the point that I always break, break up is why, you know, my biggest reason of getting into sports handicapping was because of events and situations like this, where insider training is not only legal, it is unregulated and it is encouraged and you are rewarded <laughs> for the more information you are able to be on the inside from. That being yeah. said, we have um, what is commonly known as smoke screens here um, being put up by, you know, random teams to try to quote unquote jockey for position in 2019. I don't know really how much I buy into that type of thing. Um, you know, kind of moving forward in, into that. Uh, do you still buy into that? Do you try to look through that and see, nope, I don't believe this report being put out. I think this is, do you trade this or do that? Um, or how do you kind of look at that aspect of it when things are actually being put out into the marketplace that affects it? Yeah, it's a great question. And I don't know that there's for sure a single way to kind of qualify something as true versus something that's smoke. Um, but, 
clearly, I, you know, clearly there are some things that are circulated widely from a media standpoint that are not based on really anything actionable. They're just meant to kind of drive clicks and drive, you know, drive content. Right. And, you know, if, if we want to kind of start with the top here, like Arizona Cardinals taking Kyler Murray, like lately you've seen some reports and there's been a lot of, you know, a lot of, st- you know, discussion and even some, you know, you can see it in the market is adjusting down in some, at some shops that are a little bit lower limits where they're a little bit more flexible with their lines. You can see that, you know, the story or the narrative of, um, Cardinals may not be sold on Murray just yet, uh, that that is driving some people to take action that, uh, he won't be the first overall pick selected. Um, and from where I sit, that kind of qualifies as noise to me. I think, uh, you know, and, and, and I'll, and I'll, kind of make my case, you know, this way, and you can, you know, agree or disagree. I'm curious of your opinion on this because we haven't really talked about it, but the Cardinals in like in February, when they had the first overall pick and Kyler Murray kind of said, okay, for sure, I'm going to the NFL. I'm foregoing my baseball career. I'm going to be a quarterback in the NFL. And the Cardinals kind of made some very, you know, they, they made some very, Ooh, we really like Murray. Uh, he's our guy. We, you know, we're going to entertain offers, trade offers for Rosen. Like, you know, that, that burned a bridge to a degree with Rosen and that, you know, Hey, we give up on you cause we're going to entertain trade offers. We're not ever going to get fair value given that we just spent, you know, a top, whatever it was, a top 15 pick last year on you. Now we're going to trade you away for, you know, 75 cents on the dollar because we got an even better option at quarterback, you know? So to a degree, you've kind of burned bridges with this guy. Uh, and you know, and you ask yourself, you know, why would you do that? Like, cause you know, at, at face value, same GM just drafted this guy and now he's going to draft another quarterback. Like that's unheard of like a team taking a top, you know, a top 15 quarterback two years in a row is nuts. Um, but, uh, they're having problems selling tickets in Arizona. You know, they're not, the fan interest is way down from the days when, you know, Carson Palmer and Bruce Arians were playoff contender. Uh, and Bidwell who owns that team is, he's one of the more money driven guys. He may not care much about, you know, if you're winning, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten games are going to the playoffs or not, but he definitely cares about not selling season tickets uh, in that stadium that he built out there in the desert. So, you know, I think it's not crazy that they would take a quarterback again, uh, you know, as ludicrous as it would be for pretty much every other one of the 32 NFL teams. Uh, this team does seem to need to, you know, drive some fan interest. And Kyler Murray is that guy Heisman winning quarterback, superstar personality, uh, you know, ability to bomb it down the field. You got a coach, you bring in a coach like cliff Kingsbury, who's got an air raid system. He can run this system. Well, like it, it all kind of adds up that like, yeah, okay. I get why the Arizona is actually in on him. Uh, they're just stuck, not publicly committing to it beyond just trying to get the fans a little excited, you know, so that they're kind of ready to buy tickets and hats and jerseys. Right. Um, but because they have to be a little conscientious about not completely depressing Rosen's trade value, right. They have, they can't just completely give up on him entirely. They still got to get something back for him. Uh, and the problem is that, you know, once the combine was over, once it was pretty obvious that they were satisfied with his height and his weight and his hand size and his interview and stuff, you know, it was, it was, they didn't get the offer they were looking for, for Rosen. And so that kind of, you know, that they kind of, they kind of have to now sit and wait and hope 
that one of some other team that has, you know, has eyes for some first round quarterback doesn't get their guy. Uh, and that they'll be willing to kind of up their offer for Rosen as kind of a, uh, as a stopgap because, you know, right now the market for Rosen is as soft as it's ever going to be. Um, but after day one of the draft, you could probably, you could potentially see a, a scenario where a team who misses out on their guy, you know, comes back to the table with the Cardinals and gives them a little better offer for Jesh. In the, in a vacuum, do you, th- I, I have long held a theory that you have to at least show flashes and I will, you know, kind of, I don't want to say be a believer because again, Trubisky has certainly proved me wrong in his development. Jared Goff, the same thing. Um, and again, I don't know if they kind of showed the same flashes. I think that maybe I'm even kind of overvaluing or undervaluing what a guy like Baker Mayfield or these rookies that pop on the scene and just go from day one have kind of been able to do of late, but I haven't truthfully seen anything. I didn't get the the hype out of college on a guy like Rosen. Um, do you, you know, would you, do you think it's too soon to give up on Rosen? Um, if you're the Cardinals, just real quick in a vacuum. I don't actually, I don't like him. I don't either. really, yeah. uh, I, and you can point to situation. Uh, you can point to the fact that he had probably the worst coaching situation of any young quarterback in the NFL last year. Um, Steve Wilkes, who was their head coach last year, who's since been fired after one year on the job was a complete misfit for the current state of the NFL. And he did not install an offensive uh, system that was going to help Rosen develop from kind of a borderline prospect, in my opinion, to being an effective kind of at least middle tier NFL quarterback. Um, I don't think Rosen's going to be able to make the adjustment or leap at this point now, especially they've gone through two offensive coordinators last year. They have obviously a completely new system this year in Arizona, and presumably he's learning that this offseason while waiting to find out what fourth system he's going to have to learn, you know, this off season. Um, and, you know, granted he could end up in a situation with an absolutely perfect fit offensive coordinator, quarterbacks, coach who can develop him and be spectacular. That can happen. But I think the likelihood of that is a lot lower than he kind of gets moved around to the next team. The next team doesn't ever really, you know, doesn't ever make the investment in him from a time and development standpoint to get, you know, first round type of production out of him. And he probably is out of the league in four or five years. I think that's most likely. I agree. When we look at this, when is, I'm trying to think back here when we had such a, uh, the first the first overall pick to me has seemingly been such a lock when it is becomes this known. I mean, we had the trade, um, which kind of screwed things up with um, you know a couple of years ago. But other than that one trade, um, I, I don't I can't remember a time where the number one pick Mario Williams comes to mind over Reggie Bush. I think was the last one that was a true shocker. Ooh, yeah. Um, you know, so to me, it's just ride that. And again, not sitting here telling you it's off the board at most most places anyway. Not telling you to go sit here and um, you know <laughs> go bet thirty or I guess or so. Right now, you have to bet 10 to one win over at mybookie.ag for Kyler Murray to be the number one draft pick, which again, I mean, as I showed you before, the Westgate was hanging, um, minus 2,500 at one point. So, you know, $15 of value is $15 of value here. Let's start there, man. Um, is there any, in your estimation, number one overall pick, whether Cardinals keep it, they trade it. Is it Kyler Murray? Um, and you know, do with that, with what you will, when it comes to, I think that the, you know, all that does to me is set that market. So you're starting quarterbacks taken prop at, um, you know, 
basically one, you know, add your half to that or add your one that, that's going with that. Now you have to go to you know, offensive player. Um, so I apply that to the rest of the market rather than tr- let's sit there and try to better, you know, minus 10 favorite um, and, and kind of what that does for the rest when we talk about Bosa, Haskins, um, Josh Allen. I know you have some thoughts about there as well. But so what do you do when, you know, uh, I apply it to yeah. the rest of the market? What is your kind of thought, you know, philosophy on that? Or would you take a couple small flyers on a guy like Bosa plus 250 or anyone you want to mention right now for a number one overall pick? Or is it Murray and yeah. move on? I, I think it's Murray and move on. And I think that, you know, there, there are, there are certainly, um, places where you can put sports bets down that you can get an even better number than, you know, minus a thousand or minus 2,500. Uh, and in that instance, if you want to take, you know, take a little bit of a, you know, basically it's a, it would be amount to about a free play, uh, away on, you know, Murray first overall, that's not, not crazy to me. Uh, and my, my effectively, my, thinking on this is, um, you know, someone tried to devalue Murray, uh, during the, you know, draft interview process. I'm sure you remember Carly, you know, Charlie Castle coming out after the combine was over and having like a three day run on, you know, on the major networks or at least on NFL network. And then that was parroted around to all the other sports networks, uh, where he was basically like Kyler Murray had the most disappointing interview of all time. He, you know, he doesn't understand system, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Now, first of all, that was a bizarre report, right? Like somebody clearly was you know, putting that out there to try to, you know, sour Murray in the eyes of the Cardinals ownership and fan base and hope that they would, you know, s- you know, pass on him entirely or, you know, trade the pick. Uh, and it didn't seem to work. Uh, and I think the rest of the NFL at this point has now moved on. Right. So I, I don't, I don't think, um, you know, I think, I think if you were holding out hope that it would not be Murray, um, you were basically, you know, hoping that, you know, that, that, that kind of, Hail Mary attempt to, to poison Murray in the eyes of the Cardinals was going to work out. And I, I just don't think it's going to, I don't think it happened. And I think you're right. The la- the only other time I can really remember in modern time where the first overall pick was a complete and total shock was that Mario Williams year over Reggie Bush, over Vince Young, over Matt Leinart, uh, that they took Mario as well. Do you, uh, do you have any yeah. inkling what that prop was uh, back then? I don't even know if they offered it. I know I wasn't gambling on the NFL draft back then when that happened, but I couldn't oh, for even sure. imagine. No, you know, at, at that time, I think Reggie Bush probably would have been about minus 300, minus 500 range, and Vince Young maybe like minus... 120 and then and then uh maybe Matt Liner was like plus 200 and then Mario Williams would have been in like 20 to 1 or 15 oh, to 1 or something like that like that that's probably how it would have looked but that was that was shocking and um and uh I don't think that that is in the cards this year and you know part of that is I don't I don't know that Bosa is really like the guy that you really have to pass up on a potential generational player for uh and if you're Steve Kime, if you're kind of if you've are if you're already kind of at your you know you you've used up all your second chances in Arizona. You screw up one more time, you are out the door. You have lost your chance to be the general manager of a franchise. Uh I don't think you screw around with I'm going to grab an edge rusher and hope that that makes the difference in the NFC West where I'm going up against, you know, the Rams, you know, super powerful offense and Kyle Shanahan twice a year with Jimmy Garoppolo like you kind of cannot you can't, you can't just cross your fingers and, and take a, an impact player on defense. You have got to get the franchise changing guy. And I mean, if you're Steve Kime and you take Kyler Murray and you know, he looks effective this year, like you've bought yourself a couple more years in the job, you know? Mm-hmm. So 
you know, there's a there's just a lot of incentives from all parties involved in the decision making process here to take Murray. So I, I think it's a pretty good look. I want to. I just saw this prop offered by mybookie.ag that makes a little. It, it makes me laugh a little bit. Team to draft Kyler Murray, Arizona Cardinals minus eight fifty. So you can even get a little <laughs> bit of a better price from the minus one thousand if you think he does go one overall. Yeah. Is there yeah. anybody um, on that list? I know you have it up in front of you that that would be the most likely in your eyes. If I look through the odds, Oakland is at three to one. The next. Um, uh, "Quote unquote favorite." The Giants eight to one, Miami nine to one, Cincinnati thirty to one, and Jacksonville thirty three to one. Oh, Washington thirteen to one as well in there. Anything makes sense there? I, I would say Washington, just because I suspect them of being the ones behind the Casterly leak. Um, obviously, the Raiders are a good option as well because they have the potential. They have the draft capital to make the move up to number one. Uh, it takes an awful. It takes an awful lot to make that kind of a leap. Uh, even from four to one, um, but they've got the they got the picks, um, so they could do it. I just don't think that they will. I think um, you know this is kind of like a you know the Raiders. You really want to talk about how this draft in really in the entirety of the top ten and really the entirety of the first round. Um, in my opinion, it comes down to evaluating who has quarterback needs uh, and what are the Raiders going to do, because the Raiders hold three picks in the top you know, top 24, uh, they got the number four overall pick. Presumably they can go a number of different directions based on how, uh, how many holes they have on their roster. Um, and you know, what direction they intend to go with number four has been a fairly closely held secret. Um, and you know, my personal, this is kind of moving down the board a little bit past, you know, past Murray, past Cardinals, past number one here. Um, but you know, that you have to ask yourself if a guy like Mayock, who spent his entire life evaluating this process, thinking about the draft, thinking about prospects, thinking about what GMs should do in certain situations. Now he's that guy, right? And he has the number four overall pick and he can go in pretty much every direction with how he wants to shape this franchise. Obviously Gruden has some say as well, but you know, he, he's finally got the opportunity to pull a trigger on the top you know, top five pick, even if, you know, he's there for five, 10 years, he may not ever get another shot this high in the draft, right? Like, it's just, I mean, you know, you can laugh at me and say, oh, the Raiders are going to be God awful for five years. Isn't that possible? But, uh, but you know, this, it's not for sure that they're going to have another crack like this at the very top, uh, which to me is underselling that potential that the Raiders are going to go for a quarterback, I think. Uh, and if you put them in that camp where they are in the quarterback market, then that really changes the complexion of how all of the rest of the teams that are quarterback needy think about their draft. Because if the Raiders take a quarterback four or top five or wherever they end up picking, um, let's go back, now, let's go back to yeah, two. Let's just sure, talk sure, about sure. two, three, and then we'll go to Raiders. So just sure, so I can sure, give sure. the, um, just, we can work backwards. I had to, I had to set it up because, <laughs> because if the Raiders are going to take a four, and if that information has been leaked, and if that information was published on the NFL network, and then the Raiders sent all of their scouts home out of disgust because the information got out that they were in the quarterback market. Uh, and I think there's possible, possible, this is, this is kind of a black swan event for a lot of the bets that I placed over the weekend when I was really getting down on some handicap on some, some draft props at the, the early numbers. Yep. Um, but it was a very curious report Raiders sent home all their scouts. It was like, Oh, 
Raiders being Raiders, right? Like they're just, they're just a dysfunctional franchise. Well, no, there was something, there was some reason that they did that. And it's not, it wasn't obvious why. Uh, and then lo and behold with the, you know, it was, it, it, that all happened a couple hours after this guy who I've never heard of before. Chad Reuter published his mock draft on NFL.com. And he had the Raiders trading up to the number two spot to take drew lock quarterback out of Missouri. Yep. And I got, I looked at that. <laughs> I looked at that and I was like, this guy is going to get laughed out of the room. What in the hell? Who, who why would you do this? Why would you mock? the Raiders trading up from four to two to take a guy that no one else in the draft really had any smoke or interest or buzz in taking like, this is ludicrous. No way this is happening. Right. Could have had uh, him at four. You could have had him at four. Yeah, yeah. Just sit there and wait. And then, you know, lo and behold today, news trickles out that the Redskins are making calls with the jets for the number three pick. It has been very widely publicized that the jets want to trade out of three. They're not sold on whoever, you know, whatever the third best player is that comes out of this draft. They're not, they don't really care. Like they're just, they just want an impact defender They're They, they got, they did all of their heavy lifting in the, in the free agency. They just, they, they want to accumulate capital for, for this year and for next year. They don't, they probably don't even love anyone in this draft. So they're trying to trade out of three, like desperately, right? Well, the Redskins come calling and really there's no other reason for the Redskins to leap from 15 to three unless they're going after the guy that the Raiders covet, right? That's the only reason. I love it. Because that's a big leap from 15 to three. You're going to have to give up a lot of your future capital to make that move. Uh, and so, you know, that this is now where we get into smokescreen territory. And obviously I'm not by any means, this is not the most likely outcome of this draft, but this is kind of like black swan planning. Uh, and you have to be aware of, okay, market thinks, Murray goes one Niners love Bosa Bosa goes two. jets are at three. They can't make a deal to trade. No one will give up enough to move up to three jets. Take the best defender on the board. Do you think that's Josh it, Allen? I don't actually. Do you and think I'm, they select and Josh Allen, I guess is what I should have said. I, I, so I, I do not. I think they are completely ambivalent on an edge rusher. Uh, they don't grade these guys as playmaking, you know, as, as sufficient enough playmakers to invest top five picks in. So they'll, they, you know, they, and for what it's worth, you know, they hire Greg Williams in this off season and Greg Williams somehow has say or sway in defensive personnel with the general manager, or at least the general manager respects his opinion. And Greg Williams has been cool on all of these edge rushers. He likes some of the defensive tackles. He's made statements like Ed Oliver reminds him of Aaron Donald, which is laughable. But if he thinks that, then maybe the Jets overall will take a guy like Ed Oliver third if their hand is forced and they can't make a trade. Uh, which all that presents, you know, that that all spells to me the 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 kind of the safest look at a relatively juicy prop in this draft, in my opinion, is the overplay on Josh Allen. Because I don't think, uh, you know, I, number Over four one, and a half it, plus one twenty, under four and a half minus one sixty. Yeah, if you can get three and a half, that's even better. But four and a half is fine too. Because if Josh Allen is there when the Raiders have their pick, and this has gone chalky, I, and so I'll say the chalky scenario is Murray, Bosa, Oliver. Raiders aren't taking Josh Allen. They're going to take their guy. They're going to take their quarterback. They're going to take Drew Luck. Oliver's then, not the chalk though. It's Josh Allen who's the chalk. Because oh, well, yeah. So I say chalk I, in my mind, Josh. Okay. So he, cool. let's, let's talk about why Josh Allen is the chalk for three. The, the you know, we, you go and you kind of consume draft content from like 
February, March through the first half of April. Yeah. You're going to see nobody has a fallen ton. more than Ed Oliver. Right. It, well, and you're going to see a ton of Jets take Josh Allen third. Jets take Josh Allen third. It's all over mock drafts from all of the highest profile sources for like two months. And you can ask yourself, okay, well, is that because the, somebody knows something? I mean, the Jets are a sieve. Like, no, like, secrets do not stay in the Jets headquarters. Manish Mehta knows everything before, you know, the, the actual coach and general manager knows stuff sometimes. So, you know, they, there's, and so you, you would think, oh, well, you know, any, any, any person who's widely connected to the Jets, that's based on some sort of leak. I don't think that's the case at all. I think it's entirely evaluators who are like, Josh Allen is good. He's the second best defensive player in this draft. He's the second best edge rusher. The Jets have a need at edge rusher. Therefore, he's likely to go third. Mm -hmm. And I think all of that is speculative based on draft evaluators, opinions of Allen and opinions of the Jets need. And, you know, and so I don't I don't think it really has any ties at all to the jets. I don't think the jets are at all enamored with Josh Allen. If the jets managed to trade back in the draft a few spots and he was there, they'd probably take him. Sure. Fine. But I don't think that they view him as a top three overall pick in the NFL draft. And I think, you know, they would take a guy who they think has a higher upside, like Oliver before they would take a guy like Allen. Um, and so that's kind of my, that's kind of my, my prior on the jets third pick. And then you kind of spin some, well, black swan events like, okay, Redskins trade up to three. They're taking a quarterback. They're not taking, uh, you know, Josh Allen. Uh, The Raiders have to jump the Jets so that they can get locked before the Redskins can. Then now Bosa falls to three. Jets are definitely taking Bosa. Uh, not, not taking Josh Allen. So, you know, they're, they're really, there were, there were no scenarios I can construct either most likely or black swan events that really landed Josh Allen in the third or fourth pick. So I, I would be, you know, I would be more than happy to take an over on Josh Allen. And I think realistically six is probably the highest he goes in this draft. That's so funny, man. I'm going to, it's when you look at different people's mock drafts, mock drafts, I'm looking at Ryan Wilson on CBS right now, just to have one up in front of me. He has Ed Oliver at 16 to Atlanta. <laughs> he has, um, the four pick for the Raiders is Rashawn Gary out of Michigan. Um, so it, it's, it, it really depends on who you trust and where you look, but it's, it's just so funny to me that they can be so all over the place. Raiders are at four. Like we said, a million different things can happen there. Um, let's talk about five, six and seven. Cause there's obviously a bunch of things that with implications here, but Buccaneers at five. Sure. Um, you looks basically like defense from that end. The Giants at six. This is probably where the Haskins um, fan, fans of Haskins will be clamoring for the Giants to take him. Uh, Jaguars um, could go a number of different ways at seven. And let's even throw in the Lions at eight. Um, I've seen a bunch of different things there, mainly uh, offensively driven. But let's talk about Buccaneers at five, Giants at six, Jags at seven, and Lions at eight in kind of a nutshell. Sure. So the Buccaneers, I think, would happily trade down. They have their hearts set on this linebacker from LSU, uh, Devin White, and he's clearly the best linebacker in the draft. He's probably safely the first linebacker taken in this draft. Uh, But he's a little bit of a reach at five, you know, especially if there are some other teams out there that still need to shore up their quarterback position. And I'm looking squarely at the Redskins. The Redskins are the stinkers in all of this. They lowballed the, the, they lowballed the, uh, the Cardinals for Josh Allen. Uh, they've made calls to the jets and the bucks potentially to trade up to the three or the five. 
which tells me that they know the Raiders like Locke and they want to potentially move in front of the Raiders at three to get Locke. And they know that the Giants love Daniel Jones out of Duke and that they might potentially want to move ahead of Jones and take him in the fifth slot. So the, the Redskins really are kind of the, the, the stinkers in this draft in terms of stirring up conflict, stirring up trades potentially. Uh, and I could see a scenario where they can make a deal to move up from 15 to five uh, and take Daniel Jones, steal him from the giants. Uh, and it's, it would be fascinating to see this play out this way. I don't know that they actually have the goods to make a trade up two, three or up to five, but it's fun to fun to speculate and black swan about. Um, and I think the most likely scenario is the bucks are stuck with five and they probably take Devin white. Uh, and he's your first linebacker off the board, which leaves the giants in the sixth slot with a very tough decision to make, because if the giants from all from everything we've heard, the top quarterback on their board is Daniel Jones. He has connections to Duke uh, via David Cutcliffe was his coach. Cutcliffe has the same agent and family connections to the Mannings. This is like, you know, you know, this is like a, a perfect kind of transition um, pick for the, the Manning dynasty uh, and, you know, and, and gives them the flexibility to, to let this guy learn and, and not really threaten Manning as far as a starting quarterback this year, potentially even next year. Um, I don't like Dave Gettleman's decision-making. I don't like the way he's kind of you know doing this, but it does seem like the reality is what it is. He loves Daniel Jones. If he, uh, if they and, don't take Haskins yeah. at either six or again, the, um, uh, 17 pick. Uh, so again, team, the draft doing Haskins at my bookie.ag giants plus two twenty, Redskins plus two fifty, Oakland plus six fifty, Jaguars seven to one, Miami seven to one Broncos seven to one and Bengals at four to one. Again, not to push you so far down the board, but I think sure, that everyone yeah, has yeah. really, really thought that yeah. Haskins is going to go to the giants. What team picks yeah. him up? We'll kind of figure out where afterwards, um, seen some mocks to him, uh, to the dolphins at 13 makes a little sense. Redskins at 15 who are have been kind of heavily linked to Daniel Jones from Duke just via mocks, not to the degree of um, information that you're talking about there, but how far can Haskins fall? Yeah, it's that's a great question too, because, and, and you know, it kind of goes back to the same reason that Josh Allen three was linked to the Jets so often. Like it was the, like Haskins, I think by all general draft Knicks and talent evaluators and, you know, people who watch gifts on Twitter uh, post gifts on Twitter. They all kind of agree. Haskins is the second best quarterback in this draft. And when you look at the board and you see the top five teams, none of them really need a quarterback. It makes sense to even, even the Cardinals, but you know, they're taking Murray, you know, you, it's easy to kind of look down to the giants at six and say, Hey, they need to come up with the, their answer for the quarterback of the future. Haskins is the second best pick. He's a New Jersey guy. This is a perfect fit mock draft away. Right. But I don't think, again, this wasn't it wasn't based at all on team specific information. It was entirely kind of fit, you know, and, and evaluate, you know, talent evaluation. Uh, and I think I, I if the Giants actually took Haskins, I would be shocked, shocked, uh, like so many things would have to have gone wrong uh, for them to take him six. Now, if the Giants end up with him at 17, like, you know, that that's not crazy. Right. If Haskins does slide you know, past six. Okay. Let's say for instance, that, um, Murray goes one lock goes four. uh, Redskins trade up to five, take Jones. Then it makes sense. Giants are going to take an edge rusher like Josh Allen. 
And then there's really not a lot of need after that. You could see sliding all, you know, Haskins sliding all the way to the seven, 17th pick. Maybe the giants take him then, uh, or maybe the giants just pass altogether because they don't have a particularly high grade on him. Uh, I don't know what's going on there, but, um, but what do you, what do you think of Haskins you know, draft position over 10 and a half minus half, minus one twenty five over under minus one fifteen? sounds like it's a really strong case for the over. I, it is a really strong case for the over after Josh Allen over Haskins over is my favorite look on the whole board. Um, I could see him sliding to 15 to the Redskins. If the Redskins can't make a deal for the three or the five, uh, I could see him sliding to the bottom of the first round and having some team trade back into the first round who passed on him early to, to take him with like a 20, you know, 30th pick or something like that. 32nd pick. Maybe the you know, Patriots do their patented swap into the top of the second round and give someone the 32nd crack at the best quarterback, which would potentially be Haskins. When we talk about Haskins, I I think the one that could screw this up because the Denver Broncos have been mocked to drew lock just about everywhere at 10. So in theory, if lock is gone, we now have lock gone. We have, um, Kyler Murray is gone. We have potentially another one out there as well. So is, yeah. is that the floor of Dwayne Haskins at that's, I think that's why that number's always been set. I know it's moved a little right bit, but that's 10, 10 and yeah. a half. Yeah. I I'm, I'm willing to take that risk every freaking day. And I'll tell you two reasons why, uh, the first is Elway has not been bullish about Haskins. There really hasn't been a suitor for Haskins actually, which is weird. Uh, no one's really stepped up and been like, we really love this kid. He's got potential. If he's available, then we'll take him. I haven't heard that from a single team. Uh, and number two, you follow a guy like Ben Albright. Uh, he is very, very plugged into the Broncos organization and he's given with relatively little uncertainty, his opinion is the Broncos are going after a linebacker named Devin Bush out of Michigan at the 10 slot. They want a defensive player, not crazy. They just hired Vic Fangio from the Bears, who's a defensive coach. Vic Fangio wants a guy to kind of plug into his system uh, and reinvigorate that Broncos defense, make them, you know, all world. They just made a deal for Joe Flacco, who for some reason Elway is evaluating as a quarterback who can compete in the NFL in 2019. God knows why, but Elway has never been a good evaluator of quarterbacks anyway, so it shouldn't surprise any of us. Uh, So I don't think that the Broncos make some sort of uh, panic move and take Haskins 10 if three other quarterbacks are gone, including a guy like Locke, who they may have eyes for. This is funny. I'm looking at the Westgate now, just trying to compare and see what's different. Um, Dwayne Haskins over 13 and a half plus 140 to the over under wow. 13 and a half minus 160. Again, my book at AJ hanging over 10 and a half. Um, so let me try to see if there's another one here. Yeah. So I think that's still uh, an overlook, a- honestly, because because the you got well, so you have you have two teams after the Broncos in the Bengals and the Dolphins, who presumably are quarterback needy. I say I say forget about the Dolphins. The Dolphins to me are a team that has positioned themselves to be the number one pick in the 2020 draft. That is that looks like their entire end game. And so I think they 100 percent will take a guy that is raw that has a high upside that they can develop this year while they go on to lose 14 or 15 games. And they take number one, they take the best quarterback in the draft next year, whoever that may be. Uh, So I think they are content to do that. And they have guys who are young enough in their career cycle with the dolphins to get away with that. Right. There's no, no pressure on the organization to win. Now Uh, they can, you know, they literally can punt on 2019, 2020. Uh, So, right off the dolphins, which leaves the Bengals. Are the Bengals really looking for a quarterback? 
no one really knows what the Bengals are going to do. The Bengals have one of the leanest scouting and, and general managing departments. They don't really leak anything, not because they're very secretive, but just because they don't have anything to leak. And I would say they haven't made a lot of visits to quarterbacks in general. Um, you know, we have that list floating around of, you know, quarterback visits made by teams. They haven't made more than three. I don't know what they have made, but there has been more than three, which to me tells me that they are not ready to invest first round draft capital in a quarterback. They have too many other holes on their roster. Mike Brown's a guy that doesn't like to overpay players and he's paying, he's paying Dalton now, you know, to be the quarterback of this team this year. I got a funny feeling if the buck stops with uh, Mike Brown, he's going to say, well, I already got my quarterback. Why would we draft another one in first round? I'm not paying another guy to sit on the bench for you. You know, so all, all this to me just dispels Bengals are not in the quarterback market either. Um, and so if you take the Bengals and the Dolphins out of the mix, Haskins, the earliest I can see him possibly going is 15 to the Redskins. And I'm not even sure the Redskins want him. All right, man. So let's keep going. Panthers at 16 giants. Again, the pick from Cleveland in the uh, Odell Beckham trade Vikings at 18, 19. I want to talk about Titans only because they have been mocked to a wide receiver here. And it's not the one where you would think it's Marquise Brown out of Oklahoma. Who's the, um, is the one I've seen even ahead of DJ Metcalf. Now, what I do want to talk about and say Metcalf, as I look back over at my bookie.ag, so Metcalf minus 140, Marquise Brown plus 150 and the draft position, <coughs> Position prop being hung by mybookie.ag DJ Metcalf over 18 and a half minus 120 under 18 and a half which is that pick here's the kicker though over here in town at the Westgate Metcalf over 25 and a half under 25 wow. and a half under 25 and a half minus 180 over 25 that and a half plus shocking. 150 that's you, shocking tell me why I I, I I bought into okay so there's okay so the, the wide receiver handicap in this year's draft is extremely challenging. No one has really gone out of their way to make, um, you know, strong moves to court a guy, right? Like there's not a guy matched up with a team at all. Uh, and part of the reason that that is, is wide receivers one through six, not a lot separates one through six. So there's not really any pressure or demand to go get a guy. Right. And, and, you know, even a guy like Metcalf, who's a physical specimen and who has, you know, potentially limitless upside, like he's got flaws, they've all got flaws. And so it's probably just going to work out to, you know, best fit among team and wide receiver. And you're going to see a flurry of them in the back half of the second round. And I'm expecting Metcalf to be towards the top of that list. 25 is the number at the Westgate is really surprising. I do like the look at over 18 and a half. And I love the look at under 25 and a half. That is like the perfect sweet spot for him to get picked. And there are plenty of teams in that window that want a wide receiver Titans among Ravens, them. Ravens at 22, among them yep. even Seahawks among them. Seahawks are going to potentially be in the market for wide receivers. All, all, all there's a lot of teams that I could see. Uh, finding, you know, finding eyes for Metcalf in that window, especially if, some other team's going to take a wide receiver and then that'll start the run. I mean, we see it every freaking year. Like there's six guys. They're all about equal. Once one guy finds his home, then the other teams that need them will all kind of make their moves. And they're all kind of clustered right around in that window of 18 to 25. So that's a beauty. 
Yeah, that's that's what it's, you got to shop because again, this is a, honestly, I believe the first time that that Vegas and their effort to kind of I want to say keep up, but know that the market's changing to try to you know go towards Fanduel's uh, you know as they try to operate more in the offshore realm. This is pro- I think this is the first year, so if for anyone that's in town, shop around and you can definitely set yourself up with some nice arbitrages there. When we look at the back half, I mean, let's just go through the fir- the rest of this first round. Obviously, not going to go player by player here, but we'll kind of liken it to some props. Anything in the back half? Again, we, we just touched on seventeen. Um, you know, Steelers 20 all the way down through um, New England at 32. Anything of note here? If you see anything that's, you know, off of, you know, based on odds, that stuff that doesn't yeah. look right, conspiracy yeah. theories, anything as a whole for the first round before we do kind of some rapid fire props? Yeah. So I don't get the quarter, the corner back market pricing, really. I don't, I mean, there's been enough um, kind of okay there there's a couple others before we get into some specifics but cl- clearly there's been a free fall for a couple of guys who it's worth keeping an eye on uh Mon- yeah montez sweat has some character issues he had a relatively good fit at 8 with the lions uh but the lions now are very character risk averse uh, as far as front office and head coach. Uh, and I would think the Lions almost certainly will pass on sweat. I don't see an obvious team that has a need for sweat in the next probably 10 picks. So he's the kind of guy that you could see slide into the late teens. Similarly with Gary, Gary reported today that medical red flag on his shoulder potentially needs surgery after his rookie season. That has a huge impact on how many minutes you're going to be able to get out of him this season, which I think will dissuade some teams from taking a swing on Gary, the uh, defensive lineman out of Michigan. So those are two guys that I would circle and look for overs uh, expecting slides. Um, And then the cornerback market, you know, Williams, greedy Williams, presumably the best talent. Um, but really have not seen uh, the suitors line up to get involved in the top 10, 15, where he was expected to go, uh, which I think is going to create a slide for Williams. Uh, They've already moved his number down to like 21 and a half or so. Uh, And realistically, I just think that there's going to be some other cornerback taken ahead of him, Uh, potentially, uh, potentially Murphy, Murray, Murphy. I can't remember his name. The kid from Washington. Byron Murphy. Yep. Byron Murphy, he's about plus 250-ish or so at, at my bookie, I believe. Uh, that's not a bad look. I also like the field at my bookie because uh, there's a kid out of Temple who's pretty strongly linked to the Pittsburgh Steelers um, who's not on that list. And it's entirely plausible to see pick 20 come up uh, and see the Steelers just go get the guy that they like the best, uh, not necessarily the the most highly rated cornerback prospect, but a guy that they they have high on their board. Uh, and that would hit the field. Awesome, man. When we look at this first round, um, anything, again, we're going to do kind of, we're going to go through prop by prop here um, for the, for all the other stuff, but is there, um, you know, stuff that stuck, stood out to you? Obviously you said you like the lock one, the Haskins over anything else that when we just look at this first round that you think is either a good value play. I know you said a couple of them, but just to recap for everybody out there, anything in, in particular, that's, that's kind of your favorite. I know last year there was, and again, we're, we're going to go through each one of these props, but there was something special of ruin on the over one and a half Notre Dame players being taken in oh one and a half. God. Um, was I, the bet of a century. Dude, I wish there was another one of those. I, I, seriously, that those are the kind of ones you think about ten years down the road. Like, can you <laughs> never you remember? It. I had them parlayed. Oh my god, that was such a great. That was that was just uh that was just so poorly lined, and it was such a great spot. I haven't seen anything that good this year. The closest I can give you are the um, 
the Josh Allen over and the sweat over. I, there's just too many players likely to be taken ahead of those guys to warrant those, those, uh, those slots that they are slotted in. Uh, and, uh, and I'm expecting both of those guys, you know, Allen to slide to the bottom half of the top 10 and, and, uh, and sweat to slide out of the top 10. So, you know, so those are, those are the, those are what I would say are, are relatively good, high confidence plays that you don't need to necessarily come back and protect yourself or arbitrage. The lock one, you absolutely ought to, because 24 hours ago, recorded an entire hour and a half podcast about the NFL draft. And my opinion was that all of these quarterbacks suck. No one wants a quarterback and that all of these guys are going to slide. Now they're just enough kind of detective work has kind of put things into place for me that the Raiders actually are interested in a quarterback at four. Uh, and it, it could be entirely smoke. This could be, uh, you know, Mike, May- Mike Mayock's most, I don't get what he gains out of doing this necessarily, but they've gone to great lengths to try to hide the fact that they might be interested in an offensive player. And the only offensive player that would be worthy of a top four pick would be a quarterback. So that is interesting to me. It, the lock connection with Gruden having coached lock at the senior bowl is interesting to me. The idea that the Redskins were tight lipped about lock and that they're making calls for the third pick, I think is another indicator. So this is all just very soft circumstantial evidence. That's putting lock likely the second quarterback taken in this draft, which makes second quarterback prop a good look at about plus 200 plus 300. If you can find it, it makes lock under 10 and a half, a good look, uh, maybe even a great look. Um, but, uh, it's all predicated on this, not being phony that the Raiders are interested in him. I'm looking right now, um, at the Westgate right now, drew lock is over under 13 and a half. The under minus minus one twenty over 13 and a half is even money right now. So again, unbelievable shop around there as well. Haskins 13 and a half. I touched on that one as well. All right, man, let's do some rapid fire props. But before we do that, as always, the inside Vegas podcast brought to you by my bookie, my bookie.ag is the official online sports book of the sports gaming podcast network in the inside Vegas podcast. Join now. And my bookie will match your deposit with a 50% deposit bonus up to $3,000 today. That is promo code SGP50 to activate the offer today. And as always, we are brought to you by Amazon. You're already shopping at Amazon. Why not shop there and support the podcast? They have tons of great sports memorabilia items, everything and everything for the sports gambler and the casual fan. And remember, you can get your officially licensed SGP merch on Amazon. Go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Amazon, bookmark that link and use it every time you shop. All right, so let's break through this um, and I'm going to go rapid fire. Give me your, your thought process analysis here second overall pick bosa minus 300 quinn williams alabama plus 300 kyler murray plus 600 Dwayne haskins 13 to 1 josh allen 14 to 1 or do you not like any of them easy stay away too much of a too much of a black swan event that someone comes up to two i.e the raiders to take luck that bosa is the is probably about a 75 ish percent chance to go two to the niners which means that's probably a fair price at minus 300. Uh, but I can't get over the fact that the, um, I can't get over the fact that the, uh, that the, that the guy from the NFL network has, has lock to the Raiders too, which means he knows something that the Raiders might have to move up to two to get him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you touched on uh, first DB drafted a little bit, but still greedy Williams plus 100 Byron Murphy plus 245 Baker plus 490 uh, Nasir Italy out of Delaware plus uh, 850 in the field plus 400. I know you kind of touched on those. Yeah. Sticking with that. I like a little split stake on uh, Murphy in the field there. 
I, I think like Murphy, I think Murphy could go 17, 18, 19. And I think uh, this kid from temple uh, who's not listed could go 20 to the Steelers. This may be my favorite bet, but I've gotten burned on running back props time and time again because <laughs> I read something, the league is yeah. changing, and then it goes the other way, man. Josh Jacobs at mybookie.ag over two, uh, 24 and a half is minus 265. Under 24 and a half is plus 190. I just think that there's a huge uh, difference on his prop at the Westgate as well. So let me pull that up before we go. Uh, oh, no, I don't think he's on here. Um, Drew Lock. Oh, Josh Jacobs. All right. What did I just say? Get this bro josh jacobs over 24 and a half what do you think he is at the westgate in town right now oh boy uh if i was making that line it would be about minus 500 <laughs> what is it i meant the number it's over under 34 and a half Oh, we are. Oh, see, I think it's twenty-four and a half. No, no, thirty-four. No, no. So listen, oh, my my thirty-four and a half. Listen, listen. Ooh. My bookie is my bookie is twenty-four and a half. The Westgate is thirty-five, uh, thirty-four and a half. So ten spots of difference. That's a big middle, um, and I think he lands in that middle. Kind of similarly with DK Metcalf. Like those are two middles that are tailor-made to get squashed. Like. Uh, I don't see a suitor for Josh Jacobs in the top 24, uh, which means he likely lands in, you know, that mix of teams that made the playoffs last year or teams that have a second pick in the first round of the draft. Uh, I've seen some people say that the Raiders have a need for running back. They're not taking Josh Jacobs, Josh Jacobs. I don't know if he's worthy of a first round pick anyway, let alone the current state of the NFL he's where you mocked to get, the Raiders with the third pick of the second round for what it's worth. That's see now that I'm, I'm fine with that. Like I, I can see that playing out, but I, I don't see a suitor for Jacobs in the top 24, which I think uh, lends to a slide that, that uh, makes would sense because that's where in that middle, that's the 35th pick in the Westgate hung 34 and a half. So that Raiders pick, so I think that my bookie.ag is very, very low. And I would, I'll tell you what one. though, I'll tell you what though, they're in a little bit of trouble. The Westgate is in a little bit of trouble because if they put that line based on that potential mock, uh, and everybody in the NFL knows that the Raiders have an enormous amount of draft capital. They potentially are going to hit all of their needs in the first round, except for running back, which would lend that pick to be a very, very clear, obvious sign that they're going to take a running back. That's then, you know, exactly what pick you need to trade up to. If you like him, mm-hmm. which means there's like 31 potential candidates to trade into that 34th slot to take Jacobs before the Raiders get their shot at him. Uh, and you, you know, with, with the day between, uh, I think this is a little bit underreported and a little bit underpriced into the markets with the day between round one and round two. Now, uh, you see a ton of maneuvering to get to the top of round two, to take talent that should have gone in round one or to take guys that, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to swallow giving up a third or a fourth to move to the top of round two than it is to give up your first or second to get to the top of round one. Right. So, so there's a lot of maneuvering, especially when you know what's left round two. And if someone's got eyes for Jacobs and he makes it into day two and he's sitting there for the Raiders to pluck at pick 35, the idea that someone swoops him at 34 is, is, is relatively reasonable in my mind. All right. Montez sweat over (laughs) seven and a half minus 400 under seven and a half plus two fifty. 
Yeah, over easily on that one. I'm trying to see if I don't think seven and a half is the kind of number that's like a blood bank guarantee, man. I I don't want to say that with, you know, being serious, but like I've seen eight and a half. I've seen nine and a half. I've seen 10. I would look at all those. Uh, I don't think he's a top 10 player picked, Uh, you know, especially especially if there is in any way, shape or form a run on quarterbacks in, in the top 10. If you see Locke and and Jones go in the top 10. Montez Sweat's not going to get picked to like 20. Yeah, so if he's uh, mocked to Jags at seven, I think is where that. No, no, that that's that's ludicrous. That is that is crazy. Sweet, uh, that is crazy. Sweat has a pre-existing heart condition. It's unclear how it might affect his draft stock. If NFL teams clear Sweat, who dominated the Senior Bowl and the Combine, uh, he will be an impact player on this Jacksonville team from day one. That this was four me, days ago. To me, to me, that's that is crazy. The Jaguars are will 100% in my opinion, take the top offensive tackle on the board in that seventh pick. They just invested a ton of their future and money that is tight in Jacksonville. They invested in Nick Foles. They have an offensive line that was in a significant problem last year. That is a position of need and a position where they will be able to take the best guy on the board. That is a no-brainer spot to look for, like the offensive tackle from Florida. Yeah, Jawan uh, Taylor, yeah, I was going to say, Juwan or Andre Taylor, Dillard. Or Andre Dillard. From, exactly. One of those two guys goes seventh. I, if it's sweat, I, then... Tip, tip Somebody, your hat and take your money. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you know, you know, who's who's the president down there now? The old Giants guy, Coughlin. Tom Coughlin. Uh, yeah, he is classic. Best, you know, we need a left tackle to protect this quarterback that we just gave forty million dollars to. Like that's a no, that's a no brainer. I don't uh, know uh, if uh, mybookie.ag just went off this exact mock draft that I have, but there's a lot of these that are exactly the same. That's why I'm going to start with the next one. Marquise Brown over 19 and a half minus 250, under 19 and a half plus 170, and guess where he's mocked? 19 to Tennessee. What do you think? I think he's an over. I think he fits well uh, at either Philly or Indianapolis, uh, kind of in the, in the, um, mid twenties range. Uh, I forget what's Philly's pick like 23 or 24. And then Indy's like 26 or 27. That that's Philly's 25 Indy's 26. Yeah, that, that he's going to go one of those two slots. Mar- Marquis Brown is a Hollywood Brown. Great fit for both of what those teams like to do offensively. Very similar obviously, because Frank Reich, you know, now runs the show in, in Philly. Um, but I think we see, I think we see him slide into that, into that ballpark. So I would take over 19 and a half and I wouldn't really be too, too worried about that one. All right. First running back drafted another prop that is <laughs> boned me time and time again, my friend, <laughs> Josh Jacobs, minus 500. Uh, I can go through it all. Miles Sanders, another five to one co or plus 500. Damian Harris, 850. Montgomery, 850. Justice Hill, 16 to one. Benny Snell, 40 to one and on down through the line. Uh, is it Jacobs? you know, early in the second round potentially sneaks into the first somehow and you move on, or is there any type of case that can be made for anyone? I don't even think there's anybody close here. I mean, I'm, I'm a, as big a justice Hill fanboy as the next guy, uh, miles Sanders out of Penn state. Great. I mean, I've seen him mocked to, um, Jacksonville before, but, um, what do you think? Do you see, do you have a number on Henderson from Memphis? I don't think I do. Is he in the field then? He, um, he must be in the field if he's not called out or actually there's a couple. I noticed there were a couple props where I was looking at, I was like, Who did it you might want? not be any of these guys. Henderson from, uh, oh, uh from 16 Memphis. to one. That that's your guy. If you want to take a long shot in the uh, running back market, there's legitimate smoke from organizations that, uh, people are interested in him. Uh, he's been invited to day two of the draft. Uh, and I think that there are a couple of teams that have him with a graded higher than 
uh, Jacobs. Where does Josh Jacobs end up going, and where does your boy Henderson end up going? <sighs> it's too tough for me to call. Right. I'm going to say Jacobs. I'm going to say... Uh, He's mocked to the Falcons with the 15th pick in the second round for what it's worth. Henderson is? Yes. That's pretty good. Second running back off the board. I'm looking right now. I'm going to say Jacobs get... I'm going to say Henderson's gone before that. Um, and I'm looking at my list right now of who at the top of the second... And at oh, the Jacksonville Miles Sanders was the second running back. Sorry. Jacksonville's model. Uh, I don't think I don't think they're going to take a running back either. Um, boy, this is really tough. Running, it's a really bad year in yeah. terms of running back need. Um, and we just saw last year so many teams take a running back relatively early. I'm gonna say the God. I don't think there's going to be a running back in the first draft. First round of the draft. I'm going to say a team like the Texans trades out of the first round and into the top of the second round with their 23rd pick. Uh, and they take, uh, they take Henderson at the top of the second round. I think that's where I find a fit for him. Bold. I like it. Uh, Ed 16 Oliver. to one on that. Yeah. He's going to yeah, second pick or something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Somebody. So yeah, there, there we go. I like it. Yeah. Ed Oliver, nobody's stock has, has <laughs> fallen faster, man. We are at six and a half. You look to be potentially topped, you know, where Bosa is. Although I thought Bosa was always going to go one. He looked, uh, you know, combine issues, effort issues. Here he is at six and a half. And again, being mocked all the way into the later, you know, stages of the first round to Atlanta. Um, or no, not Atlanta. It was, yeah, Atlanta, um, deep into the first round. What do you think about Ed Oliver? Huge uncertainty on this one. Um, I, I, yeah, if this exact time yesterday, I was pretty convinced he was going to go third to the Jets because the Jets liked him and I didn't think the Jets were going to be able to trade out of that pick. Uh, now I've talked myself into the Jets trading down <laughs> uh, and wherever the Jets end up, uh, I could see them, you know, I could see them landing a guy like Oliver. Um, I think he'll go in the eight or nine range. If he's there and the bills are on the clock at nine, I could see him go. Uh, I could see the Lions taking him at eight. Um, you know, both of those teams also in the market for tight end and obviously the best tight end in the draft could go top 10 this year. So it's, it's a, it's a coin flip, but um, I think that number's pretty fair. And if at this, there's a, it's weird because it's like, if he doesn't go third, then he might not go until like nine. Right. So you're kind of exactly on both sides of that one without really a soft middle. Uh, if they, you know, if they gave you a really, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe a way to corner this is to take uh, exact, you know, an exact uh, bet like third overall at Oliver at like plus 300 or something yep. and then come back with uh, over nine and a half. And, yep. right? What was the number eight and a half you said? Uh, Oliver six and a half. Six and a half. Okay. That, that might be the way you corner that and, and take a Polish middle on four, five, <laughs> and six, because I, I don't, I don't see him going four five and six. Yep. I don't see the giants taking him at six. I don't see the bucks taking him at five and I don't see the, the Raiders taking him at four, especially if, if Quinn and Williams is at four and the bucks and the Raiders decide not to take a quarterback, then they're probably going to go Quinn and Williams. So that, that, that that's, that's a good Polish middle to set up for yourself. As far as I can tell you. Quarterbacks drafted in the first round over three and a half minus four fifty under three and a half plus two seventy five. Again, this is basically a, a, an over under two and a half. When you take out Murray, can we get three other quarterbacks? You say, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, I do think so. I don't think Haskins slides out of the first round. I can see him sliding to the end of the first round and maybe that gets a little sweaty. 
Uh, but I do like over three and a half a lot, actually. I've, I've got some positions on that at a couple books. Nick Bosa, over two and a half plus 250 worth a stab or under two and a half minus 400? Man, I'll tell you a bet I like better is exactly Nick Bosa, exactly third. What, you don't know uh, what the odds like on that is? 16 to 1-ish, 14, 15, 16 to 1, depending on what book you can find to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I like, and I like it because he's not going past third, right? If you wanted to cover, if you have a Nick Bosa to go top two or something like that, and it's a pretty decent odds, like before the draft really shaped up and you, you know, you've got a pretty good position on that. I would very, very strongly consider taking exactly Nick Bosa third. I don't see any. Yeah, I have it up right here. Plus eight fifty. Okay. That's yeah. That might is that, uh, what you don't mind saying, what book is it? Plus eight fifty. Uh, this is a local shop I have to be local? honest. So okay. I don't know which, where they go mirrored off of. Um, but there the are only, a couple yeah, differences the, yeah. as well. The um, reason that, yeah, the reason I asked is cause not long before we did this pod, it was about 16 to one, which is, uh, you know, it's not a huge movement, but it's noteworthy. <laughs> 16 yeah, no. to eight is kind of interesting. For sure. Um, interesting. Okay. Um, keep, next, keep an we're trying to find one. another one as well. Ed Oliver at this particular local shop again is uh, seven seven and a half is his number again six and a half at mybookie.ag uh, and not uh, which player will be drafted first. So this one, Kyler Murray minus six hundred, Nick Bosa plus three fifty. Um, number of quarterbacks selected is the same, just a little bit of different juice. Uh, let's do this one. Number of wide receivers selected in the first round over two and a half minus one fifty, uh, under two and a half plus one twenty. I've seen some pretty sharp players take a swing at that under two and a half, but I'm not seeing it. I think there's too many wide receiver needy teams at the bottom of the first round. We named a bunch of them already. Uh, I could very, very, we could, I, I, I would say there is greater than a 50% chance that the Eagles Colts and Packers all come away with wide receivers between 20, uh, 25 and 30 or 26 and 30, whatever the Eagles are. Um, so I think, I think you're going to see three get clustered all, all together right there. And that, and actually I'm the guys that I'm looking to pair with those teams aren't even including DK Metcalf. So he, he might, I could see DK Metcalf go off to, you know, Titans or something. And then those three guys get clustered, you know, then three more guys like uh Brown Brown and, you know, I'm not sure even who the third one would be, but you know, I, I think it, it's tough. AJ Brown was mocked to the Pats at 32. Can see that too. They need wide receiver help. Uh, there's going to be a run on wide receivers at the end of this first round, in my opinion. So I would look for over two and a half. And if you could find an even better price at over three and a half, I would look at that too, to be honest. All right, man. I think somebody that's... like Harry or Neil, you know, there's somebody, there's somebody else potentially who, who's going to sneak into that first round. I think Uh number of Alabama players selected in the first round over two and a half minus minus one eighty, under two and a half plus plus one forty. Ooh. Ooh, this one's a little, wow. Yeah. What was the number? Two and a two half. And a half? Yep. Over two and a half was what? Uh, as I look at my bookie.ag right now, Alabama players over two and a half minus half minus one eighty. Boy, that's an intriguing number. We have Jonah most Williams, places, right? We have most of the places. Yeah. You have two for sure. You have two slam dunk Jonah Williams and, and Quinn and Williams are going in the top 10. Or sorry, not, not probably not top ten. Jonah, Jonah Williams probably going to go twelfth or thirteenth, fifteenth, something like that. Um, but you're going to have you know offensive tackle and defensive tackle gone in. Yeah, the again, top this, half of the this draft. mock only has two. Uh, the third guy would be Jacobs, or yep. uh, it would be a guy like Mac. 
Irv Smith is Mac. the next one on here. What's who's a, there's a line. There's a, so linebacker is a little bit weird this year. There are two very good linebackers in Devin white and Devin Bush. Uh, and then it's not obvious who the third best linebacker is. A lot of people like, uh, Alabama's Mac Wilson. Yeah. So he's say. mocked at the 28th pick of the third round. 28 or, sorry, might be the third? Second, second, second round. Second round. Sorry. That's yeah. That, that sounds reasonable. Uh, Irv Smith, the tight end from Alabama. Yeah, he is was also on some people's. He's mocked to the tenth pick, Bengals, um, in the second round. I'll tell you what. Just the fact that that's lined that way makes me interested in a in a uh, an under three and a half because those are out there. Um, I've seen I don't those know how in a couple spots. I don't know how you I don't, get to four. Yeah, yeah, really. Uh, you could see, I mean, you would literally, it would have to be, you know, both Jacobs, you know, somebody takes Jacobs and somebody takes, you know, surprise takes one of those, uh, other two Wilson or Smith or, or, uh, there's a safety who's relatively good too. The safety class is all screwed up this year. Yeah. No, no, especially great talent. And there's a couple teams that need one. So you never know. Um, but the bottom half of the first round can get weird. Uh, there's some players every year who are taken who I'm like, I didn't know that guy was player let alone a first round <laughs> talent so uh it's i guess i would lean towards over two and a half but real gingerly with that type of price i'm gonna give you a couple more that are only at the westgate i, don't, I haven't seen these ones offshore but one of these uh i may have to run out of here to go bet this one as soon as we're done before <laughs> anybody can get it because it looks a little uh a little off to me let's say christian wilkins what do you think the number is on him or have you seen one uh, boy. If I were, if I were putting a line, I would say like late teens, early twenties. So maybe I'll say 18 and a half ish, 17 and a half ish. What's his number? So he's mocked to the Seahawks at 21. Okay. Is, that's yeah. I see that. He, uh, his odds right now at the Westgate is 13 and a half, uh, over is minus minus one thirty. Yeah, that's pretty, that's, that is an easy, easy over. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a good one. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to see. Okay. So there is a little bit of uncertainty in the 11, 12, 13 range, kind of notably Bengals, Packers, Bengals, Dolphins. Packers Dolphins. Yeah. The, the, those are a little, eh, eh, who, who goes where, <laughs> uh, I would say you're look. you're, pro, you're probably going to have some very, you're going to have some better defensive talent available in that window of 11, 12, 13. You're going to have some of the top tier offensive tackles available in that window. Uh, and the idea that he would get scooped by somebody surprisingly would be pretty low probability, definitely lower than implied by whatever the opposite of minus 130 is, which is what's minus 130, like 58% or something like that. So you're saying 42% chance he gets scooped by one of those guys in that window. I think it's, I think it's more like 20% probably. I like it as well. Last one, man, just cause it's up on here and he's a quarterback. So we should talk about him. Will Greer. What do you think? He, what would you yeah. think his number at? If you've seen it, you can tell me what you see out there. I haven't, I haven't looked. Uh, I would expect it to be in the 42 ish off the top of my head. So again, just going to go off of this mock right here. We have, he is mocked at, I didn't think I was going to have to scroll down this far. Oh, um, wow. Really? Yeah, hold, mm. oh, hold on. No, this can't, I might be in the wrong round. Hold on. He is, <laughs> uh, go this, cause he was, he was mocked to the Bengals in the second round. So I'm trying to find that, what pick that, that is. I could see that. That's probably high 
for him. Uh, I think more likely he goes at the end of the second round. Um, I don't, I know a lot of people have kind of tied him to the Patriots. I don't think that's true. Uh, but I do think his agent would like, would like people to think that. No, that's why I couldn't find it. So he is mocked in the third round pick eight to the Bengals. Oh, geez. Yeah. I mean, that's the worst case for him. I think more realistic is probably end of second. Um, end of second would be what? Like he'll be. Yeah, because he'll be the fifth 50? quarterback. He'll be the fifth quarter. There's going to be two quarterbacks that I think are taken in the second round, uh, and he'll be one of them. So I think you're talking about, at worst, probably 55, 60. I think reasonably best case middles. Best case scenario would be like second round of the Bengals or second round of the Dolphins or something like that. Uh, 38. 40. Oh, you cheated. 37 and a half. Oh, is that what they lined it? Yeah. That's his line? Oh, I think it's going to be over that, though. I don't think he goes under thirty-seven. Look I think at that's you, pretty, you sharp, that's, sharp that's, guy. That's a really, that's a really generous. Uh, that's best case scenario. That's a, really, yeah. that's a best case scenario, and it's it's a little generous, even I think. Yeah, man. Uh, but there'll be there'll be two quarterbacks I think taken in the second round, and and I would say uh, Greer will be one of them, but it might not be till mid to late. He could, I mean, he could rise up with all the quarter, you know, if, if all those you know type of things do happen, I guess he could. Rise yeah. Theory, right? If there's a run. Yeah. I'm yeah. Trying to see who the next, and there's not, I don't think they have it. One single quarterback going in round two in this again, just one particular mock that I'm looking at. Yeah. Huh. No, not one in round two. Interesting. Um, that kind of does it, bro. We, we did this one in depth and truth be told, I've been slacking a little bit. So I may have kept you long <laughs> to pick your brain there for a little while, but invaluable information, man. Anything else you want to talk about when it comes to the NFL draft? <sighs> no, this was great fun. Super fun. I love the NFL draft. This was a, a ton of fun to talk about and uh, hope this gives you and the listeners a good jumpstart to get, get, get your uh, prop betting on. Yeah, man, as always, check him out on the Deep Dive podcast with his co-host, Andy. Deepdive.co is where you can find everything and everything for him. And on Twitter, at whale underscore capper. Did I miss anything, my friend? No, I think we, I think we nailed this. Uh, we hit the most likely. We hit the black swans. Should be a fun Thursday. I can't wait. Uh, me too, man. I absolutely love this type of event. But <laughs> we will talk soon, bro. Thank you so much for taking the time. And, and I'm sure that we will converse via our, our ways as soon as this is over again. So thank you so much, bro. All right. Take it easy, buddy.